Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean, your host. Website can be found at www.scriptureandprophecy.com. Well, today we're going to look at a couple of headlines, not many. And then we're going to read our prophet's portion for the week, which is Hosea chapter 2. And the gospel portion for the week, which is Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. Uh, just so you know, I get that schedule from torahportions.org. Uh, this podcast will probably be short today just because I am not feeling well at all. Uh, but even when we don't feel well, the kingdom of God must be furthered. Even on those days uh, when we don't feel like it, uh, we still serve God. And so that's what I'm trying to do today. Well, let's go ahead and start uh, with the headlines. Um, I'm not going to talk about everything going on in Israel right now because I'm still looking at it and uh, I don't like to speak until I have a, an opinion worth having. What I'm going to do is just continue this conversation that we had the last two weeks about the inflation that's coming. Um, now we've been talking about that for a long time, even going back to over a year ago. Uh, but what's interesting is now even the mainstream media is talking about this narrative uh, all of a sudden. Uh, looking at this article here from the themostimportantnews.com, the headline says, Why is the mainstream media suddenly freaking out about the horrifying inflation that is ahead of us? Here's what it says. Have you noticed that the corporate media has suddenly become obsessed with rising prices over the past week or so? Day after day, the mainstream news outlets are barraging us with these stories about inflation, and even CNN is occasionally taking a break from bashing Republicans to cover this. Early today, I was directed to a CNN article entitled, Prices Are Rising Everywhere You Look, and I decided to read it. Surprisingly, this is one of CNN, this one CNN article that would actually pass an impartial fact check. We really are seeing very painful inflation throughout the entire economy, and this is causing many to recall the days of stagflation under Jimmy Carter in the 1970s. But the corporate media doesn't exactly have a long track record of being straight with us. So why are they seemingly being honest with us in this case? Is it that the crisis has now become so obvious that nobody can deny it any longer, or is there another agenda at work? I wish I had the answer to that question. If you go to Google News and type inflation into the search bar, you will get page after page after page of recent articles about rising prices. To me, food inflation is one of the greatest concerns because it hits average American families particularly hard. And at this point, even the prices of apples is rising quite dramatically. Alright, I'm just going to stop there. Uh, you could finish reading that article at themostimportantnews.com. Now, another thing that's been going on, and I'm just going to read the headlines. I'm not going to dig into the articles. But by now, everyone's heard about the Colonial Pipeline uh, that was supposedly hacked. Um, and it's caused mass spikes in gas prices and in certain places, gas shortages and in certain places, severe gas prices. So here's just what the mainstream media is pushing. This is... From CNBC, Colonial Pipeline restarts after a hack, but supply chain won't return to normal for a few days. Listen to this one from Yahoo. Colonial Pipeline paid hackers nearly $5 million in ransom. 
Gas hit $7 in Virginia. Um, and then, of course, we heard, I've heard about the stories in North Carolina, supposedly, where massive gas lines and gas stations completely out of gas. I'll say here, at least in the Midwest where I'm at, it's, you know, been $3 a gallon. Um, and people haven't thus far, as of right this minute, been uh, fighting each other at the gas pumps to get gas. There hasn't been a run on gas. But apparently in some parts of the country, there is being a run on gas. What does this look like for a month down the road? I have no idea. All I will say about this is I think it's all part of the agenda. You've got, you've got this narrative being pushed on top of the mainstream media openly admitting that there's inflation. I think this... More likely, and I don't have any evidence or anything, this is just a thought, I'm more likely to believe that the whole gas line thing was on purpose just to continue to put pressure on the economy and cause more inflation and cause more food prices to rise. It's my honest opinion. I'm not buying that they that there was some computer genius somewhere that hacked it and then the pipeline people paid him $5 million to release it. I'm just not. I'm just not buying that. But that's what's being reported. So that is that is our news for the week. Uh, same lesson as last week, you know. Be be smart, be intelligent, take proper precautions, and expect things to continue to rise in cost. Unfortunately. Okay, let's switch gears. We're gonna start with our profits portion for the week, which is Hosea chapter two. Let's see if the word of God has anything to say to us. This morning. Hosea chapter 2, verse 1. Say ye unto your brethren, Ami, and to your sister, Ruhama, plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. I let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight, and her adulteries from between her breast lest I strip her naked and set her as in the day that she was born and make her as a wilderness, set her like dry land and slay her with thirst. And I will not have mercy upon her children, for they are the children of whoredoms. For their mother hath played the harlot, she hath conceived them, hath done shamefully. She that conceived them hath done shamefully, for she said, I will go after my lovers, that give me bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her paths. And she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them, and she shall seek them, but she shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then was it better with them me than now. For she did not know that I gave her corn, and wine, and oil, and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. Therefore I will return, and take away my corn in the time thereof, and my wine in the season thereof, and I will recover my wool, my flax given to cover her nakedness. And now will I discover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and none shall deliver her out of my hand. I will also cause her mirth to cease, her feast days, her new moons, her sabbaths, and all her solemn feast. And I will destroy her vines and her fig trees. Whereof she hath said, 
There are my rewards my lovers have given me. I will make them a forest, and the breasts of the field shall eat them. And I will visit upon her in the days of Balaam, wherein she burned incense to them, and she decked herself with her earrings and jewels, and she went after her lovers, and forgot me, saith the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, and bring her into the wilderness, and speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her vineyards from this, and the valley of Acre, and to the door of hope. And she shall sing there in the days of her youth, and as in the days when she came up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be in that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishai, and I shall call, and shall call me no more Belai. For I will take away the names of Balaam out of her mouth, for they shall no more be remembered by their name. And in that day I will make a covenant with them, with the beasts of the field, and with the fowls of heaven, and with the creeping things of the ground. And I will break the bow and the sword and the battle of the earth, and I will make them to lie down safely. And I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness, and in judgment, and in loving kindness, and in mercies. I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness, and thou shalt know the Lord. And it shall come to pass in that day, I will hear, saith the Lord, I will hear the heavens, and they shall hear the earth, and the earth shall hear the corn, and the wine, and the oil, and they shall hear Jezreel. And I will sow her unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her that hath not obtained mercy. And I will say to them which were my people, Thou art my people. And they shall say, Thou art my God. All right, that is the prophet's portion for today. For today, what we see happening is, as it appears on the surface here, is Israel has gone the way of the harlot, committing adultery, as God sees it, as going after false gods and after wickedness and whoredoms, and as a result, judgment's coming. And he's saying, "There's going to come a day when you're going to go. Oh, it was better off with my first husband." And you're going to try to return, but the judgment's coming. Because you didn't realize that I, God's saying, you didn't realize that I was the one providing the bread and the water and the wool and the flax and the drink and the oil. And the day of judgment's coming. But then it ends with more promises, it seems like. You know, he goes from saying, I will destroy her vines and her fig trees. These are my reward lovers have given me, and I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall eat them. And then he says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. So there's a period, there'll become a time of restoration. And then I will give her vineyards from thence in a valley of Achar and for a door of hope. And she shall sing there in the days of her youth as in the days when she came up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be in that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishai, and shalt call me no more Belai. So it's like a, a picture of judgment and falling out, but then a picture of restoration because God's always looking to restore there's a lot there to try to unpack and unfortunately i'm just not in a place to do that today but if you have the time go look at it some more um, go compare the cross references this is how i do bible study i get a verse and then or chapter and verses that stick out to me i go look at the cross references and see where these things have been said before and then get an entire picture of what's happening 
That's the way to study the Bible. And then at the very end, you can go look at commentary. But you should never look at commentary before you've done all the homework for yourself because sometimes the commentary might lead you astray. So you need to have a great foundation in the study. Then go look and listen to commentaries to get a deeper understanding, but at least you'll have enough knowledge to know if something's off with the commentator. Same could be for me, because that's basically what I'm doing. I commentate on the scriptures. You should definitely do your own research and your own homework to make sure you have a, a right understanding. Let's go ahead and read. we got 17 more verses to read. Our uh, gospel portion for the week is Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 17, and it has to deal with Jesus being tempted. Here's what it says. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward a-hungered. And when the tempter came unto him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil take him up unto a holy city, and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And the devil taketh him up into an exceedingly high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. He saith unto them, All these things I will give thee, if thou wilt all, will all, fall down and worship me. Then Jesus saith unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thy serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Let's just stop there for a minute. A couple observations that are coming to mind right now. Number one. Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. You see, in order for him to be able to connect with us, he has to be tempted in all ways that men are tempted, and yet not fall. Not only that, to make it even more difficult and strenuous, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Imagine how hungry you are after a day fast, or a two-day fast. Now think 40 days, and then let the temptation come. The other, the other thing interesting to note is that Satan even knows Scripture, doesn't he? He's quoting the Bible to Jesus. Of course, he's trying to twist it and take it out of context. Hmm. How often and how easily we can be deceived even by little subtle things like this when Satan gets a hold of a man and he preaches a false doctrine. It uses the scriptures and twists it out of context and leads people astray. Of course, after Jesus resisted him all these times, the devil left. So what does the scripture say? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It says the devil left him and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. Verse 12, Now Jesus, when he had heard that John was cast into prison... He departed unto Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, 
which is upon the sea coast in the borders of Zebulon and Nephilim, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulon and the land of Nathom, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw a great light, and to them which sat in the region of the shadow death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is our study for this morning. I apologize that I wasn't better this morning, but I gave you what I, I gave you the best I could give you this morning, and I so I pray that you've been blessed. Here's what I do know is that the word of God never returns void. It's sharper than any two edged sword. It goes out, it pierces hearts. I think of Jonah. He goes to Nineveh. He gives the worst sermon ever given. But it didn't matter because the word of God convicted the people and the king ordered them to wear sackcloth and to fast and they repented. See, it's not about the man delivering the message. It's about the message. And it's about the power of the word of God. Nothing we do is miraculous or special we are just vessels and it's our privilege to be used by God and I look at it like that this is my great privilege to be able to do this podcast at any rate peace and grace be with all of you and until next time God bless <laughs>